Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast, your podcast for everything smart cities, action, investment, and outcomes. This is also a vodcast episode for our digital twin TV playlist on our YouTube channel at Smart Cities Council Australia New Zealand, and you'll find out shortly why it's on the digital twin TV playlist. I'm excited to bring you episode 88 today, and we're delighted to have with us a couple of friends from one of our digital twin cohort member organizations who are participating in that program. Joining me today, Thomas Gooch and Fang Wang from OPPO, the Office of Planetary Observations. Friends, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, Adam. Really great to be here. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, Fang. Fang, let's start with you, bios. Who are you and what do you do? Um, so I am currently the leader scientist for OPOP. Um, I was actually trained as an astrophysicist, working with lots of data looking up at the sky, and then I switched to Earth observations, so looking down back on Earth. Still a lot of data. So I work with data, and I'm, but I'm really passionate about understanding how that data can help make an impact in real life, and that's why I'm part of OPO now and trying to um, yeah, make an impact. I must say, Fang, I've never interviewed an Earth scientist yet on the Smart Cities Chronicle, so thanks so much for being our first. Look forward to having, uh, having a conversation with you. And of course, Thomas, over to you. Who are you and what do you do? Thanks, Adam. Founder uh, of OPO. And basically, the mission of OPO is to streamline uh, environmental analytics from satellite to the city planner. So with a background in landscape architecture, I know the challenges faced by city planners to argue for nature and actually back up our design decisions with metrics. So OPPO really galvanizes those data pipelines, uh, making them easily accessible for the, the city planner. This is probably our first podcast episode where we've really sort of smashed together technology data and nature and landscape. So I'm looking forward to it. And it's a personal passion of mine, green infrastructure as an underpinning infrastructure in our cities and towns and regions. So looking forward to this one. Let's let's set some context here, if I can. And I'd like to talk about where are we at? So through the lens of what you guys are doing, uh, where are we at with that relationship between tech, data, nature, Thomas, can we, we sort of kick off with a bit of an opening sort of musing from yourself on, on that issue? Yeah, look, I think we're at the perfect time, Adam, for nature tech and what's also being called climate tech. You know, in the earth observation industry the last 30 years, it's been an amazing amount of work done on satellite innovations, data analysis preparation. So now we can map the earth every five days. Simultaneously in city planning, there's been a huge advocation for nature through policies such as urban forest, better open space, nature in cities. And they've kind of come out of major metropolitan cities around the world and made their way into regional councils and design houses. Um, so there's a real convergence now for nature tech because the, the politics has kind of happened. Policy has happened, the master planning. And now it's really about getting the data easily into the hands of city planners. So it's, it's the perfect time. I've certainly spent a lot of my career growing up uh, and sort of my early career being um, in the school of urban planning and environmental science and have always been passionate about sort of the humble idea of greening our cities 
because you know when you look at sort of the the metrics there you know a tree shade on the street economic development workforce development uh, it kind of ticks so many boxes I, I i don't like describing anything as a silver bullet but landscape is kind of pretty powerful in terms of a solution to many problems. Thomas, I might cut to you and let's sort of talk right. about that issue in terms of earth science, satellite, meeting the pedestrian level cityscape. What yeah. have been sort of that, that process? Look, there's been fantastic innovations in the satellite industry, which is largely, largely down to the size of satellites we can launch now. So in that event, you know, the European Space Agency launched a fleet of satellites in 20. 15 or the start of that fleet which are now in this around the earth uh, monitoring the earth every five days and subsequently a number of organizations launching cubesats to help us image the earth uh, more frequently so you know this has been fantastic and a lot of the research has stayed in research or stayed in government and often been at a high cost so you know that that progression from organizations needing imagery itself to do the analytics is now meant the industry is at analysis uh, ready data so the kind of the analysis is now pre-prepared on top of the imagery but what OPO does differently is we provide decision ready data and that's really the key is getting that data to the city planner in a format that they need so it's it's been a fantastic journey in the earth observation industry made possible by a lot of people passionate about nature too um, and actually all started with Virginia T. Norwood, uh, I think it was in 1970, who she, she actually uh, innovated in the multispectral camera to go to space and provide Earth observations for us. So there's a lineage there of people who have really made this possible. And um, I think the exciting thing is with, you know, expertise like Fong leading on Earth science, and she can speak about this, is really fusing uh, expertise from disciplines towards making the data accessible in a format people need. So we can actually care for nature and integrate uh, into natural systems, encourage them instead of deplete them. Fung, I was asking the question and, and Thomas has shared some views. What I'm trying to sort of understand out of interest more than anything is, you know, we, we have this highest level of observation up in sort of space and satellites and you're an earth scientist. So sort of the scale is, is quite big. We have urban planners down on the street level. We have landscape architects, you know, trying to build green infrastructure in, in very grey infrastructure dominated places. I'm trying to understand, probably more from a practitioner perspective and a career perspective, how long have these things been connected or disconnected in terms of, you know, those professions hanging out with each other? What What's bringing you together? I mean, we're going to talk shortly about sort of the platform and, and the system you, you've created there, but it's really bringing together what I would have considered to be odd bedfellows tr traditionally. Sh share with us some views around you, your, your journey, you know, as a practitioner yeah. in this space. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that question is spot on <laughs> um, because that's exactly why I think OPPO is really exciting for me because um, as you've probably just discussed all the exciting technologies that's happening. And um, I've, I'm from that end, um, you know, there's different directions um, from Thomas that I've been working with data and the data, we're really having an explosion of data and technology, you know, 
Um, it's so easy to launch a sensor into the space now. Industry is doing it. Well, it used to be all international space agencies, and there's so many instruments and observing all different aspects of the Earth, the surface, the atmosphere, the well, under the ground. There's just a huge amount of data, and that's work. That that's what I've been working with every day. Um, and also, you know, the cloud technology has changed so much how we work with the data, and really enabled so many possibilities of working with this vast um, amount of data. But the challenge is always for me understanding what is actually uh, the problem that people are trying to solve and make that connection. And um, I think to some level, um, it has always been, there's connection happening. There's lots of these multidisciplinary teams and efforts going on, try to bring people together, but it's always a challenge because People are coming from very different paths. You know, my I'm very much had a long academic training where I don't really understand the real world problems very much, I have to say. Um, and and people coming from different backgrounds have different personality and different approach to this problem as well. So I think more and more um, programs are getting complicated. Complex programs are being built to help these people from different backgrounds to work together. And with what well, cloud is actually a really great way to bring people together. Um, and I'm working more with data scientists and um, so kind of the traditional um, remote sensing scientists are now working more and more with data scientists and the need to work with end users, domain experts like Thomas who understand um, actual problems um, and the data needed to solve those problems. Um, are more and more brought into these collaborations as well. And and yeah, like in OPPO, we have different people from different backgrounds coming together to do exactly this. And um, and I hope that's one way to um, to solve this and bring us closer together and also set an example for other people and projects as well. Love that uh, authentic response and cloud as a, you know, a technology enabler for a whole range of benefits and opportunities certainly I think is one that often gets undervalued at times you know we, we just think things are sort of up there somewhere and a push of a, a button things just sort of appear so so cloud is certainly an enabler the other one of course is data I think every organization I think every uh, local authority if I just speak at a local government level you know which is closest to the ground I suppose uh, has certainly spent the last 12, 18 months, you know, reevaluating what data they have, how they can make better decisions and direct little money they have at times. So data is certainly a very powerful enabler now from what I've seen. Data is also, of course, at the heart of the digital twin and turning for a moment to OPPO's participation in our inaugural digital twin challenge at the Smart Cities Council. Um, I, I'm interested, you know, we've had many conversations, you're one of many applicants, the cohort has been created now and we're mobilizing, uh, but I'd like to get your thoughts on how you view this idea of continually activating data with decision-making, you know, stakeholders so that we can spend public money wisely. Uh, and the idea of the digital twin being sort of this next generation data activation platform. Uh, Thomas, let, let me go to you. 
how and when did you stumble across Digital Twin? What was sort of the, the interest there in wanting to take part in the challenge? We'd love to hear some, some thoughts on that. Yeah, great, Adam. Great questions. I think, look, again, with, with the background of landscape architecture, having easy access to environmental analytics is key to making really informed decisions uh, for our cities to live with, within nature. You know, So that's how OPO was born. Um, this idea of a digital twin of nature so that we can be in a near real-time relationship uh, with with the health of the natural systems. So, you know, and then with the progression of launch of satellites in recent years, this narrative has become formalised uh, in a digital twin, something, you know, the European Space Agency is looking to do uh, with the quantum of data they have uh, right down to so now the, the Smart City Digital Twin Challenge, which we're really excited to be a part of. So I think, you know, Fong mentioned what problems are we solving? That, that's really key. Um, how do we actually answer those questions with near real-time or real-time data? Uh, and our expertise is nature. So, mm. so really getting that, that representation of a, a landscape-based digital twin, which is the, the category we're involved in with the challenge. Um, and how do we push that forwards to make sure that we can kind of democratize the data to ensure that people can, you know, crack on and uh, encourage natural systems through green infrastructure, through urban forests. And, and that's the really the, the power of a, a digital twin. It's the back end, really, but it's the narrative that we're, is driving uh, that landscape-based data. Fung, I wanted to ask you a question about satellites and technology and, and evolution. And I think it's fair to say that in Australia at the moment, there is certainly a boom going on in terms of the sort of record investment research centres. You know, we've got Northern Territory, we've got South Australia, we've got rockets and satellites, and not not to even mention what we're seeing globally as well and, and coming out of the US. So space is kind of like just come up in our rear vision mirror very, very quickly, even though it's been around for a long time. How would you characterize, let's maybe go back three years, how would you characterize sort of the evolution and the marketplace growth around satellites and its use for imagery? What would you share in terms of some key observations? Yeah, I think as, as you've already observed, things are happening very quickly, and which means the, the community has been made aware more and more of this technology. So I think the one of the biggest thing is that education process that it used to be mysterious and um, people think of something that's only existed as, as a research or for, you know technology for its own sake. But now um, really people understand it more and more and seeing the possibilities and the industry starting to use these data for in lots of applications that really changed, I think, um, the expectation of how these should be incorporated and really help in, you know, in, to, to influence how we live our life. Would you go, I don't want to put words in your mouth, would yep. you go so far in saying that satellite imagery and the space agenda is becoming more consumable? by more stakeholders in more sectors. I, I mean, I, I, it resonates with me, your, your sort of comments at the beginning of that, that sort of response in terms of yep. space was always classed as sort of, that's where the nerds hang out, right? Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, for an average urban planner, 
um, you know, sure, I, I, I remember 15 years, 20 years ago when I was practicing planning, I'd order the aerial photos, you know, and they'd come yeah. in hard copy and I'd scribble on them. But they kind of came in the post. So has it become more con- consumable or getting more consumable by more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, like, although there are more data, there are more ways of data delivery and ways of working with data. And actually, it's actually easier to work and extract that small bits of information from a large amount of data now easily um, with all the new technology. So that actually makes it um, yeah, more more reasonable or more feasible for for more people to actually make use of this data yeah okay so on the topic of consumable data and satellite and all these good things thomas turning to you uh there was a pretty big reveal and milestone for opo this week can you share with us what you're now totally immersed in in terms of helping um, helping decision makers contribute, act, invest in healthier environments using a, a, a data-driven approach based on what you guys have, have, have launched this week. Can you, can you share with us uh, what happened? Yeah, yeah, great. Well, we're, we're really excited and proud to have launched the OPPO Urban Greening Platform, which is a, a platform making easily accessible the environmental analytics from satellite to city planners in a format they need and powered by the Microsoft uh, for Space Startups program, which gives us access to a huge amount of uh, Microsoft Azure cloud computing to really power what we're doing. So, you know, to your question to Fong there about consumables and space being consumable, that's that's our goal is really completing those data pipelines and getting the user interface right and getting you know the products needed for city planners just to get on with their daily decisions without having to process the data source the data gauge in lengthy you know uh, engagement processes we just want to really simplify that pathway have the the data there consumable inform the decisions so we can actually watch uh, environmental indices rise instead of decrease i have been a um a big advocate for green infrastructure, as I mentioned earlier, spent a short period of time, but a a really influential part of my career back in 2013 over in Portland, Oregon in the US and green infrastructure is is rolled out mile by mile, kilometre by kilometre, because it's part of their urban fabric. Green infrastructure is part of their urban fabric and really got to understand the value of, of, of green infrastructure. Well, green and blue infrastructure, it, it's, it's still got some way, hasn't it, for us to really truly value the tree. Is this, is this a, am I being dramatic by calling this a game changer? We would like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, know. I've been encouraging people to plant trees for a long time because I just think it, the multiple benefits are, are significant and, and using urban tree canopy coverage, for example, as a metric is something I kind of just sprout all the time, kind of not knowing how people would then follow up and do that, obviously, you know, with a lot of hard work, but yep. you, you, you've kind of come in and just made that so simple now. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, it's, it's been great hearing your passion for nature and your history and working in green infrastructure. And I think there's a lot of people we come across that feel similarly, care for the environment, seeing the, the IPCC report come out 
next week. People want want to act, you know, but there's just not that kind of collective awareness of of the data and what the status of our environment is. So the OPPO Urban Greening Platform really does make that possible. And we've started by asking the question, how green is your suburb? And at the click of a button, people can actually get that metric and start to understand data associated with the status of their environment and will build complexity of that in time. Um, and green infrastructure is a key part of that. You know, in 2019, Infrastructure Australia just brought green and blue infrastructure into their five yearly report for the first time. And that was incredible then. And, you know, now the Australian Institute of Landscape Architects doing amazing work around, you know, urban green infrastructure handbooks and what are the metrics, what are the standards, how do we really accelerate people towards uh, making decisions which encourage green infrastructure and natural systems. As you both know, got a bit of a sneak peek on the platform uh, last week. I was, I was kind of blown away at how simple the user interface is. Okay, it was almost like, oh, is that it? In that, you've built the, the interface around not not only obviously a very powerful back end but the the business model if i can use that terminology that the business model the sort of this the subscription pay as you go pay as you consume i i imagine in building a product like this you umdenard and had many options and pivoted and iterated and did all those kind of things how much how much does that interface and business model play a part in the success of the platform. No, no doubt it's going to play a huge role, but I suppose what I'm trying to say is um, taking something as worldly as earth science satellite data and almost bringing it down onto my smartphone to order the relevant metric for my backyard, for my local precinct or neighborhood is kind of a, just staggering at how you've been able to pull off that scaling down into the palm of my hand. And I can imagine for decision makers at a local government level that it, and, and you know, I don't use that word game changing lightly. I mean, that way that you've done that, how you consume it, how you procure it is quite fascinating. Can you share that business model and user interface sort of journey with us a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And look, I think it's um, it's really key to everything, that user interface and the user experience and the customer journey. And, you know, we've put out our beta version of our OPPO Urban Greening platform, and we want customer feedback. We want to keep iterating and keep getting it right uh, to meet the needs of the customer and um, to, towards completing that huge data pipeline from the satellite capture to the image processing to the data preparation and it's, it's really about making that business model work for city planners, which is a great time for nature tech, you know, mm-hmm. and we're speaking with investors around this and around, you know, growing as a startup and injecting more capital. And I think that's the exciting time is because there is, you know, tech merging with nature, with society, uh, which does bring it into the palm of your hands uh, as a consumable so that we have a frequent relationship with nature and Maybe Fong would like to comment on that too from her experience. Yeah, I think that simple simplicity is really the key here. Um, and with that, we want to change the way how people think about 
satellite data, as it looks like you've already <laughs> thought of it differently. So that's exactly what we want to do. It's not scary. Um, it can be turned into insights and information that you can use. And with that interface, we're hoping to uh, approach more people and thinking that this is actually data that is that are useful for them. Fung, I wanted to go a little bit further. When when Thomas was showing me this, he mentioned that we fly Australia every four or five days or something and capture the next sort of image. And from a digital twin perspective, there's many views around having a real-time connection between the real, you know, the, the, the physical, the natural and, and the digital uh, real-time, near real-time, but also static data as well feeding into a twin. When, when you talk in this type of language that we have a five-day refresh of our natural infrastructure, that's, um, I mean, 15 years ago, I would have fallen off my chair if someone even sort of said that that was, that was possible. But, but in the context of digital twin now, which relies, the heartbeat of the digital twin is, is data, and, and good data, this is uh, this is just in, incredible in terms of what we're going to be able to gleam and pump into a, a digital twin to make better decisions. I so th- so this four or five day thing, this is true and correct. Thomas isn't lying to us, right? <laughs> well, oh, that's all right. So we rely on all these satellite operators provide the data, and we do our best to combine all the available data together. So I guess the the technology does have limitations. Uh, we do have observations every five days, but cloud is in the way. So mm, yeah. Um, so it, yeah. So it does it does have limitations. But the benefit of using satellite data is that continuous and consistent coverage. And I think that's probably one reason that this is really picking up now, because you have the capability to do a repeat observation from time to time from space. And with more satellites going up, this is only going to get better. So, Well, um, well that was going to be my next question. Is there any, any way in which you can hold your crystal ball right now and share what this is going to look like in let's just pick three years 36 months time and we know how quick things can change in a year but can you what, what would you share as an earth scientist in terms of where you think this capability is going to be in about three years in three years i imagine there will be more satellites flying that's providing different measurements and i guess our goal is looking at that landscape and what other data sources we can bring in and combine. And that's really the power of connecting these data sources and information. And so that means the, even the, the information that we can get from the satellite data, it's not just the green, it, 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 it may be temperature and other, other dimensions as well. So I guess that's kind of the, the idea of digital twin is about connecting all these different types of measurements and use them together and try to understand the nature. So yeah, so I think um, in three years time, we'll definitely be a lot better at doing this. Technology change takes time. So, um, but if we're starting to do all of these data connections, setting up the infrastructure to get ready, then in three years time, I think it can really happen regularly. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, Thomas Fung, last question, probably more of a personal one, let's let's stick with you you know in the in the next 12 months what are you really looking forward to sort of personally what are you excited about um what would you like to share 
I'm hoping <laughs> to see Oval get more traction and really hearing from more clients or potential clients and um, people who didn't know about satellite data and now seeing the possibility and even just telling us what other things or their wish list of other things that they want to do with this. Yeah, nice. And Thomas, what, what about you? Next yeah. sort of 12 months, what are you excited about? Yeah, look, Adam, I think similarly to Fong, just really hearing from the users, hearing, you know, getting them to kind of jump on, make the orders, test it, tell us. We want the feedback, you know, tell us what, what's a real issue, what sort of data they need. And, you know, we can really help complete those data pathways and get it into a format so we can actually start to tackle the big issues around green infrastructure, around climate change uh, and around things things with IPCC report, you know, mm. and um, I think it's really enabling people to act and giving permission and putting data in the hands of a lot of people and shaping our cities differently and digital twin of nature can really allow for that. So, yeah. Well, look, hats off to you. Such a mission-driven enterprise that you are at OPPO. I can't think of anything more beautiful than using technology and data to rebuild the health of our planet to most crazy odd things of the highest of tech to the, you know, the, the most analog of analog in nature coming together in, in such an awesome way. So um, wishing you, wishing you all the success, uh, Th Thomas, where should we send folks to take a look at what you've done? What's, what's the, 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 the URL they plug into a browser? Yeah, they can type in office of planetary observations.com. And at the click of a button, they can go to the platform to answer the question, how green is my suburb? Brilliant. And um, I would echo all of our listeners to jump on, have a look. The team are keen for some feedback. I was pretty blown away. Uh, I think anything that can help repair the health of our planet is, uh, is certainly worth a, a look. So, uh, Thomas... Uh, Fung, thanks so much for joining us today on the Smart Cities Chronicles and for Digital Twin TV. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. And thanks for all you do with the Digital Twin Challenge. We're excited to be a part of it. Yeah, no, thank you for having us, Adam. Thank you. And for our listeners that are on the podcast, uh, make sure you're subscribing to the Chronicles. You can do so. Head to your favourite podcast platform. You'll find us there, the Smart Cities Chronicles. And for those that are watching along on Digital Twin TV, make sure you subscribe to that playlist. We'll bring you more features and episodes very soon. For now, uh, listeners, friends, watchers, uh, stay safe, stay well. We look forward to bringing you another episode very soon. Thanks so much.